This episode of The Cinema Crew is brought to you by Simply Energy and the Simply Gold Class Plus Energy Offer. A fairy tale like you've never seen it in Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. Five years ago, I thought I lost you forever. There is no curse that could ever tear me away from you. Will you marry me? Yes! I have a little bit of news. Don't ruin my morning. A sequel 10 years in the making with Zombieland Double Tap. Welcome to Zombieland. We've survived the last several years by sticking together. I think I would have made a damn fine president. You would have brought a real dignity to the office. You're welcome, America. What the? F- I'm like really good at surviving. Man, it's so tiny. No, you're not. No, you are. Zombies eat brains, and she ain't got any. And the story of a screen icon in Judy. You have that voice. Who wants to have some real fun? Judy. Judy. Judy Garland. If I can't do it again. On you go. The fabulous Miss Judy Garland. Do you take anything for depression? Four husbands. Didn't work. You won't forget me, will you? That's this week on The Cinema Crew. Hello and welcome to The Cinema Crew, the podcast that talks new movies every week. My name is Michael Campbell, but you can call me Cambo. And joining me as always is Vary McIntyre. Hello. And Dan Miranda. Hey. Now, your chance to win a Gold Class Double Pass, thanks to Simply Energy and the Simply Gold Class Plus Energy deal, coming up just a little later on. But first... Philip asked me to marry him. No. I wasn't really asking. Nor was I. Love doesn't always end well, Beastie. Trust me. Let us prove you wrong. You have done an admirable job going against your own nature to raise this child. But now she will finally get the love of a real mother. Tonight, I consider Aurora my own. There was a trend in Hollywood about six or seven years ago of gritty fairy tales from Alice in Wonderland to Snow White and the Huntsman and even Angelina Jolie-led Maleficent. What seems it was a flash in the pan that went as quickly as it had come. Or did it? because this trend seems to be living on just a little longer than anyone expected, albeit with diminishing returns, looking at the box office receipts of the Alice in Wonderland sequel, is Maleficent Mistress of Evil a few years too late? Uh, Now look, Cambert, I wasn't the hugest fan of the first film and I went into this not expecting too much at all and I, I found myself being immersed within the story and along with the stunning visuals and the costumes, I was, I completely forgot my concerns and was like whisked away and completely surprised by this film. Oh, great. Yeah. So I went in thinking it was, because the first for me was not anything groundbreaking. I think it was the, probably the first take on any of the animated classic Disney films in a live action source, apart from Alice in Wonderland, I think. In this latest installment of Maleficent, we bear witness to the marriage between Princess Aurora and Prince Philip, as well as a deeper look into the origins of Maleficent herself. And... I think that's where this film really does take hold of you because a lot of this storyline has not been told before and I think it's quite interesting. Yeah, that was the the main thing for me that because uh, I do obviously love these sorts of films, um, mm. folk tales, fairy tales, yeah. that's my jam. This is your vodka, so, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and obviously it is 
geared towards children. It's still a Disney film with a feeling four younger kids are going to be able to enjoy this. So it's not too dark and gritty. So I think for much younger children it might get a bit too scary because Maleficent does have some evil powers and she does have a very short temper. So how old are you thinking, like 11 or 12 then? Yeah, I think I think a little bit older, maybe into the early teens. But I still enjoyed this as well. Like yeah. if, you're, if, if you're into fairy tales and, and Disney films, like a lot of older people, I know our age group yes. still like their Disney films. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, what's our age group, Vary? You better yeah, uh, nail that down. No. Mid-20s. Mid <laughs> I'll go with that. <laughs> well, exactly what Vary says, I think, you know, it does obviously have the Sleeping Beauty element yeah. that it's based off, but I think there are a lot of themes that older audiences will enjoy, like um, coexistence, deception, and even war. So if you really want to look into the nitty-gritty of, you know, many of the underlying themes, you can really grab, grab a lot from this film. It is an odd thing that Hollywood seemed to be doing, and it started with the original Maleficent because she was always the villain from the Sleeping Beauty movie. Mm. And it's like, oh, did you ever wonder where mm. she came from? And everyone's yeah. like... Not, not really. Yeah. No, no, no. It's still happening now with like Joker. Yeah. Like, of course. Geez, you ever wonder where the Joker came from? And everyone's like, mm, no, no, not really. <laughs> but I mean, well, if you've got an interesting story, yeah. sure. It's similar to like I suppose the Broadway musical Wicked. Like yes. you know, yes. they twisted the Wizard of Oz in a yeah. completely different fashion. Yeah. So in this one, we get a lot more of a history of Maleficent, where she came from, like who she actually is, because she doesn't really seem to fit in this world. Mm. We've got this beautiful kingdom ruled by the king and queen and Prince Philip. And Aurora is living in the moors, which is like this beautiful countryside with naiads and fairies and pixies and all the really cute little things. And I just love those details. Yes. <laughs> I wonder whether or not ever anyone would choose to live in the built castle or the moors. Yeah. I know I'd probably choose the moors. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's like, just because they make it they make it look so well, that's tangible. The, that's the thing. Yeah. With, with, there's this kind of movie, and I, I mentioned a couple others in in the intro, like Alice in Wonderland. They're art designed within an inch of their life. Mm. Like every fork, every knife they pick up is so kind of like intricate and stuff. And it's it's kind of like a separation from even something like a Game of Thrones, which is very art designed. Mm. This is very stylistically art yes. designed. And it still kind of looks like a set all the time, albeit with like CGI add-ons and stuff yeah. like that. And I can never tell which one I prefer because sometimes I like the realism, but for mm. something like this, it is kind of it heightened works. and fantasy-wise. Yeah. yeah, it kind of works. Yeah, it's the more cartoon version of a Game of Thrones. Even though Game of Thrones is fantasy, they're trying to make it realistic. Yes. Yeah. Disney will always err on the side of having their fantastical bright colours and things to attract younger people, I guess, as yeah. well. Because, you know, the castle looks pretty clean. <laughs> the medieval streets, the peasants are looking pretty happy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's a definitely Disneyfied medieval yeah. type. So when it comes to this movie, there's one big draw card, it seems to me, which is Angelina Jolie, mm. which is the, the lead. So much so that I couldn't tell whether anyone else in the film was the original cast or whether they'd been <laughs> replaced because I didn't remember any of them. I no. just remembered Angelina Jolie. I looked it up. One of them was replaced yes. and I didn't notice it for the whole movie. Nah. So she really is the draw. How did you find her? She's brilliant in this character. Um, mm. She's very understated. She gives a very... Pulled back performance, but there's this kind of simmering yeah. magic that she's got about her because Maleficent as a character is very unpredictable. You don't know how she's going to be feeling and she keeps everything very contained and composed and that's exactly how Angelina Jolie plays her. Yeah, she walks this like tightrope of she could go really nice mm. or really bad 
or yeah. you just don't know. And so that's what's entertaining watching the film is you someone will say something to her and you you don't know what you're going to get and it's exciting. Yeah. And it's kind of fun to see like a an A-grade movie star, top of their game, having fun with a character yes. that's kind of larger than life. Yeah. There's something about that that's really appealing in the same way that even like Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker or Johnny Depp as Jack Sparrow, when you can tell that they're really into something there, there's something really fun to watch there. There is no union. There will be no wedding. What have you done? We go home now. Aurora! Maleficent is a threat to everyone. We'll do our best to protect you. Well, well. One can never be too careful. You do not know me. Tell me what happened. There was another creature. You've spent years caring for a human. Now it's time to care for your own. This is an odd thing to say of a character, but I've never looked at cheekbones so much. <laughs> Her cheekbones are so pronounced. And if anyone hasn't seen a picture, just Google. I don't know. Yeah. Are they fake? Well, Disney yes. did oh, release. Oh, yes. Or I couldn't work out if they were like prosthetics or they, they had like manipulated her face digitally to be like that. Well, I was thinking of the shoulder bones because they oh, stick out a lot right, as well. Yeah. And I was just thinking, oh, is she lost weight? And then I saw it at the premiere and I was like, okay, no, that's fake. It's such that's an interesting, well. unique look, isn't it? Oh yes, I, and that's the character. And that's the character. You find out what she is. Oh right, of, oh, course. of course. It's exciting. Yes. So we've talked a lot about Angelina, and she's kind of the scene stealer, the main draw. But what do you think of the rest of the cast? Because it's pretty impressive. Elle Fanning is back as Princess Aurora, and it's Prince Philip the actor has changed, but we don't really care about him. He's kind of just a <laughs> minor character. Who I really liked is Chiwetel Ejiofor and Ed Screen who are some surprise characters who make an appearance in there. I don't think they get enough screen time. Yeah, but Ed, they- Ed Screen's been kind of typecast. Mm. Does, do you think he plays an aggressive, uh, kind of <laughs> uh, arrogant man? Yeah. Yes. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's not like him. For people that don't know, he's I don't the think aggressive seen- one in a leader. <laughs> uh, he was the aggressive cop in If Beale Street Could Talk. He always uh, yeah. plays that one kind yeah. of a, Deadpool, he's the aggressive villain. He's always that one kind of. <laughs> Like kind of abrasive guy. Yeah, he has been typecast. I don't he's know, got the he's, face. He's, I was, oh my God, I was just going to say that. He does have the look for that character. He does it well, I guess. So who do you think should see Maleficent, Mistress of Evil? Maleficent, Mistress of Evil is the perfect film for families. And although I don't see this as a horror film, it has great ha- Halloween themes since the 2014 movie. Maleficent as a character has been a staple costume during the spooky yeah, season. Yeah. So I think it's just the perfect film to see in October. That's a really good point. And with all her costume changes, there's a lot of costumes to choose from. <laughs> so much <Halloween>. opportunity. <laughs> it's a great story. It's got a good moral to it, as fairy tales do. So if you like that folktale, fairy tale type of film, mm. it's got some cheesy moments in it, which is good for kids. Um, as an older person myself, I could overlook those cheesy moments and I still really enjoyed it. Welcome to Zombieland. God, this is terrifying, but totally unrealistic. This October... The director of Venom and writers of Deadpool. Die, 
invite you to the family movie of the year. Is this your dad? Oh, whipsie. Time to nut up or shut up. Right now? Yeah. Right now. Zombieland Double Tap in cinemas October 17. Zombieland came out in 2009. At the time, the cast, with the exception of Woody Harrelson, were mostly little-known up-and-comers, including Emma Stone and Jesse Eisenberg. Well, fast forward 10 years, and they're now highly sought-after cast of bona fide movie stars, and they're all back. But even so, is 10 years too long to wait for a sequel? Not these days. Apparently everybody's making sequels of things that nobody asked for. Who's <laughs> talking about one? <laughs> yeah. uh, they still make them because everybody loves a sequel. And so for this one, we actually haven't had a screening of, so nobody knows really mm-hmm. what's it about. Mm-hmm. No, Even the trailers have kept what's kind it of about? what's happening. The details are pretty under wraps about what this story is or if there's a story. Yeah, <laughs> it just looks like it's obviously we know it's 10 years later and – uh, the only thing that we do know is that the zombies have maybe evolved and are super zombies now. You're right. So as our characters have aged and developed themselves, I guess, trying to live in this zombie world for 10 years, they'd probably be pretty good at what they survival skills and, and shooting and stuff. So too have the zombies evolved to kill people better. Well, yes. well, I, I do know some details about Zombieland because I actually mm. think the original one, it's a fun little kind of zombie comedy. Yeah. Doesn't take itself particularly seriously, mm. but especially for the time, it was kind of like no one had really quite done it in that way. It's kind yeah. of playful. It has these yeah. pop-up text elements and stuff like mm. that. Uh, so the screenwriters of this, uh, same guys that wrote the Deadpool movies, mm. uh, originally envisioned it as a TV show and they had mm. like a season's worth of story ideas. Oh, wow. So the original movie was just a couple of story ideas that they had had. And so much so that they've been trying to make this sequel for so long that you guys probably don't remember this because no one does. They did turn it into a TV series. What? It was very quickly cancelled. <laughs> okay. uh, so the the thing is all of these stories that they're telling now, because this one looks like it's partly set at the White House, and mm. like these are all ideas that they originally had for their TV show. And I think that's kind of cool that they've just got this pool of ideas that they just keep grabbing from. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like it goes into a lot more depth in this film. There's going to be other people that are alive, maybe a bigger world. Yeah. Because the original one was quite Contained. insular. Yeah. yeah, yeah, quite small budget. They, you know, they mm. only really have four cast members, maybe eight all up when you yeah. have flashbacks and stuff sure. like that. Mm. Uh, and it's only really set at a couple of locations, whereas this one looks a little more expansive and bigger. Yeah, they definitely bigger have guns. More, yeah. <laughs> the budget is... Probably a lot bigger. Oh, well, sure yeah, to, af- <laughs> to afford all those actors yes. back. Well, then I did find it's quite funny in the trailer. They Academy Award out, nominee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Academy Award nominee, Academy Award nominee, Academy Award nominee, Academy Award winner. winner. They mm. kind of point out in the 10 years since yes. it, how mm. far everyone's going to come. Yeah, the m- trailers do make it seem like it's going to be quite meta. They reference the first film a lot. Yes. Mm. There's a joke about it being 10 years ago since this zombie apocalypse started and they all sort of giggle about it. And then there's, you know, even the subtitle of this film is Double Double Tap, Tap. which is Jesse Eisenberg's character's number two rule Mm. in the first film. Yeah, don't just shoot a zombie once, you double tap, make sure. Yeah. See, I thought that meant double tap on your phone. Whoops. (laughs) Like liking on Instagram. Yeah. (laughs) Like this post. Oh. So since we haven't seen the film, zombie films, they've got a lot of tropes to them. What what are you hoping to get from a sequel to Zombieland? So I'm definitely hoping to see, obviously, more investigation into how and why. Mm. I love I love a zombie. Like I watched The Walking Dead almost 
up until now, but I, I broke up with it uh, <laughs> recently. Um, and I feel that whenever they get close to a cure or something like that, that I think I, I get more invested because I get hopeful because, oh, you know, a bit of closure. But I'm not sure whether or not that will be good for, for this film if they expect to turn it into a third film in 10 years' time. But um, I, I would really like to see, you know, a bit more investigation into how and why. Well, I mean, they even mentioned The Walking Dead in the trailer. One of the characters is reading the comic and then he's kind of scoffing about how unrealistic <laughs> it is. Uh, that trailer. So there, and there are elements, what I quite like about the original, there's elements of just like fun little throwaway things that I'm hoping they do again. There's a thing in the first one called Zombie Killer of the Week that pops up once or twice, which is just a weird, interesting way to kill a zombie. And I kind of hope they keep that kind of playful, cut away to odd albeit pretty gory things. <laughs> I, I like that, Alan. I hope they don't lose that. Yeah. Yeah, one of my favourite films is Shaun of the Dead. Yes. So that funny element to it is is what is different about it. So I hope they really ham up that bit of it, I guess, more and the, the family relationship between the four characters now that they're sort of travelling together. It's only sort of at the end of the first film where they do fully band together as a little family. So I'm really hoping to see how they've survived together over 10 years, not just the zombies, but each other. I'm also just excited to see Abigail Breslin. Oh. I haven't seen her in a while. <laughs> What's yeah. she been doing? She's so much bigger on this poster. I know. I saw her in the trailer. I'm like, no way. But mm. she kind of just, I mean, she kind of disappeared. Well, she did Scream Queens. Does that count? Oh, yeah. the TV show. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe yeah. I'm just not watching Abigail Breslin. Things. Maybe, <laughs> well, maybe that's my she, problem. Well, she <laughs> would have, yeah, she's a teenager then. Now she's an adult. Yeah, it's crazy. It it's makes been a me while. feel very old. It's been a very <laughs> long time. So who do you think should see Zombieland Double Tap? I think if, as we mentioned, if you're a fan of tongue-in-cheek comedy, can handle a bit of gore, don't expect a horror film with this. This is going to have a lot of laughs, very tongue-in-cheek. If you're a fan of, this reminds me of a TV show called The Last Man on Earth and it's very similar to that. Yeah, another good one for Halloween coming up and something a bit more lighthearted. The Cinema Crew has a sponsor on board who loves movies almost as much as us. Simply Energy has a great energy deal for movie lovers. Switch to Simply Gold Class Plus and receive up to eight Gold Class tickets with your energy offer. Visit Simply Energy for more information. Also in cinemas, Gemini Man. Will Smith comes face to face with himself. And Hustlers. JLo and Cardi B are strippers. Yes, you can hear about both of those movies and, in fact, everything that's in cinemas right now in our back catalogue, which you can access from whichever podcast app you'd like. You play anything or you just sing? Just sing. I'm with you right now. Maybe I'll make it as a singer after all. I think I at least have a shot. A well-known secret in Hollywood is as follows. If you really want an Oscar nomination, play a famous historical or pop culture icon. Don't believe me? Just ask Jamie Foxx, Nicole Kidman, Remy Malek, Reese Witherspoon. Still not convinced? Try Kate Blanchett, Helen Mirren, Ben Kingsley, Daniel Day-Lewis. I could go on. Well, now it's Renee Zellweger's run at the title in Judy, in which she plays screen icon Judy Garland. Is this her year for Oscar gold? I think this may be definitely a nomination. Whether or not she wins is another story. Look, for me, this is definitely one of my most anticipated films of the year. Not only is it the 50th anniversary of Judy Garland's untimely death, but also it's the 80th anniversary of her arguably her most famous film, The Wizard of Oz. Judy focuses on the star's last year of life. 
On the verge of the complete financial ruin and at the risk of losing custody of her children, she accepts a residency at the Talk of the Town Dinner Theatre in London. And throughout this time, you see the trials and tribulations of the star's on-stage life as well as her off-stage life. So this movie, mm. um, just like the, the basic story of it, mm. reminded me of something that is not all that similar, which is Stan and Ollie which is also about kind of like someone with a fading star that has one last chance at like the spotlight and they go over to London and they do one big performance. It's kind of weird the ways that it it kind of correlates. Though one is much more kind of like played for laughs and this is a more of a straight drama. But I thought it was interesting that that archetype Mm. of like the faded star was true of both of them. Yes, because it is a very sad story. I wasn't too aware of Judy Garland's last years of her life and how she was struggling so much. And this one really highlights her as a, as a human being and how she's trying to reconnect with her love of performing. She's addicted to pills that they got her on when she was younger. Mm. Um, she's struggling with trying to be the best mum that she can be and her performances and she's not very confident in performing on stage anymore because she must have been quite shaken that she's fallen down this whole She's not really popular in America anymore, so her manager's like, well, they love you in London, so go over there. Mm. And she's so out of her world. She's away from everybody and everything that she knows and she's just like trying to perform this show at night but she's just like spiralling deeper and deeper into this depression. It is really heartbreaking watching all the relationships around her essentially erode into nothing because she relies so heavily particularly on men who have done her wrong numerous times. But Mm. it just, it's so hard to watch, you know, I guess disaster ensue. What I will say is that the way that it's portrayed in this film, there are a lot of flashbacks that go back to potentially what may not be true, but potentially a lot of what started all these addictions and the way that people manipulated her into what she eventually became. Mm. But I will say the one thing that Renee Zellweger does so well with this part is Obviously she has to have the chops vocally, which she certainly does, but she Mm. also has this really great way that I would say it's not a direct replica of Judy Garland. No, nothing can be, but it does such Mm. a good way of bringing the humour to her performance. And Mm. one moment you will be laughing your head off and then by the end of the film you're crying your your face off. Yeah, Renee Zellweger's characterisation of Judy Garland is so spot on for me. She Mm. just had all her facial expressions, sort of body movements, the way that she held herself. Um, Mm. It was kind of this like her head was a bit out, neck stretched out, like back hunched a little bit and just the way she moved her hands. Yeah, it's like even the physicality is just completely different. Oh, good. And what she did that is something that is so impressive for an actor where Generally, when you're watching a performance, you're like, that is Tom Cruise doing this or that is whatnot. But she doesn't feel like Renee Zellweger. No. No. No, It it actually legitimately, apart from the odd angle here and there, you're like, oh, yeah, I see a bit of Renee there. Yeah. It seems like a different person. I think, yeah, Mm. along with the physicality, they did actually do a lot of, uh, well, not a lot, but a bit of prosthetic work. So um, I think that sort of helped. Yeah, they put a tip on her nose to make it a bit bigger. (laughs) Well, I mean, like, Renee has had a bit of prosthetic work. (laughs) That's one way to put it, yeah. (laughs) And on top of that, she spent a whole year training with a vocal coach who worked on La La Land to get her singing up to scratch as well. Like we know she can sing and act and Mm. dance from Chicago and she got pretty famous from that, but she worked very hard. No one can live up to Judy Garland's voice. It's so unique and so classic. Everyone's going to be talking about 
Renee Zellweger's singing in this, obviously. Mm. And if you expect that it's not going to be Judy Garland singing, but actually Renee, she does such a good job. Exactly. Well, I think it's similar to uh, Taron Edgerton in Rocket Man. He doesn't sound exactly like mm. Elton John, but every time you're like, God, he's doing so well. Like, yes. This is a great rendition of this song. And I mm. think it's kind of similar. She doesn't always sound exactly like Judy Garland, yep. but they're such great kind of spot-on covers mm. that it doesn't really matter. Yeah, A miniseries that's called Me and My Shadows where Judy Davis, the Australian actress, actually played Judy Garland and it's significantly longer and covers more of Judy's life. And it was an incredible, it is an incredible um, miniseries, but she actually does lip sync to Judy's songs rather than sing them herself. And I think there is something to be said for both parties. I feel Mm -hmm. like you do get the raw emotion if it's the actual actor's voice as opposed to being a lip sync. But, you know, I think inevitably people will compare her to Judy and she just isn't. Yeah. And see, that's even a kind of a problem I had with Bohemian Rhapsody Mm. is Remy Malek, it never seemed like he was really singing because it was so obviously the recording of Freddie Mercury that like he's something about it seemed off. And the fact that Renee Zellweger is singing these songs, you're right. Like there's like an emotional timber in her voice that comes out that you can't replicate when you're dubbing a, like a a recording. recording. And as we were saying, to do the characterization of Judy Garland and then to sing at the same time, it's like amazing. Mm. So I, I kind of felt with this film, I, I don't think it's necessarily a perfect film and, what I what I find it similar to is actually the movie The Theory of Everything with Eddie Redmayne where he played Stephen Hawking. Mm. Well, I think that the performance is actually better than the movie that it's inside yeah. of. Mm. Uh, the movie itself, as far as like a faded star thing, like I said, it's similar to Stan and Ollie, even to the point where it starts off with one of the classic movie scenes from a different, like mm. it's, it's, it's a structure that works for these kind of movies. And that isn't anything revolutionary. But mm. her performance, I think, is actually better and makes the movie better than like really it is. Was she not that good? It would be very standard, but yeah. she elevates a little bit. But yeah, the performance is kind of better than the movie. Does that make sense? Of course. I feel that yeah. she is obviously the draw card yes. for, and her performance is, you know, privy to that. But I feel like the story is engaging enough in mm. in a way that people either, you know, will have heard of Judy Garland, may not know a lot, or if you do know a lot, you, you're going to see it regardless. I feel that it works. Yeah, I really was interested in the story just as much as the performance because I do like Judy Garland as an actress but didn't really know much about her life. And so even though I know it's a fictional narrative mm. and her family didn't have much or any involvement yeah, in L- this. Liza Minnelli's had a few things to say for those that don't know, the daughter of Judy Garland. Yeah. <laughs> But obviously if it's your mother and it's about the most depressing part of her life when you weren't in it much, you probably wouldn't be yeah, too yeah. interested. <laughs> of so There may be an unknown bias there that she's not seeing. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. <laughs> Even with that in mind, I still like movies where I learn something about someone that I like and yeah. or about a, a specific time in history. So I came away feeling like I wanted to learn more about her as well, even though I learned something from the film as well. Did you know that Elvis Presley once pulled up to Judy Garland and said, you are the greatest entertainer in the world? Really? Mm. Oh, the king endorses. Mm. Yes, the king, the king endorses. <laughs> That's not in the movie. That's not in the movie though. Renee Zellweger could play Elvis as well. She's <laughs> that good. So who do you think should see Judy? This film will obviously appeal to fans of Garland, but also anyone who loves a great underdog film or fans of Hollywood and people who just generally love the entertainment industry. I think you'll you'll see the highs and the 
the lows of the industry and what yeah. what a lot it of take, the lows a lot of the lows <laughs> but like what it takes on a performer potentially if you're not in a, a stable state of mind yes yeah that that's a really serious part of it and so it is a good solid drama mm. but you have to know that it's very emotional so if you're in the mood for something a little bit sad but it's also got a lot of her classic songs and I was kind of like singing away to them as well. Yeah. Well, for Halloween you've got two choices. You can be scared or you can cry. <laughs> <laughs> now for your chance to win a Gold Class Double Pass, thanks to Simply Energy, head to the Village Cinema's Facebook or Instagram page, look for the Cinema Crew post and leave a comment answering this question. To celebrate Zombieland, we want to know what your favourite zombie movie is. Simply leave your answer with hashtag the cinema crew for your chance to win. Next week, a game of hide and seek turns deadly in Ready or Not. Coming of age film with music from the boss in Blinded by the Light. Some beautiful human drama in After the Wedding. And a documentary about a singing legend in Pavarotti. Till next time, thank you, Vari. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. My name is Cambo and this is the cinema crew with Village Cinemas.